simple truths that change your life. Jesus loves us. I got a confession tonight. I think some of you might have come on false pretenses, or at least you expected something to happen that wasn't. It is preschool night, but that doesn't mean, I think some of you thought, well, where's the preschoolers? Um, Tonight, we are going to talk a little bit about our preschool ministry, um, but it's not going to be quite as fun of a conversation as having the preschoolers up here and singing. I want to talk about uh, something that you might not find as enjoyable, but hopefully you will say, this was really important. Because what I want to talk tonight about is how are we as a church protecting our preschoolers and our, our, our children in general? Um, let, let me start with just kind of a, one of the more heartbreaking stories that has happened in my own life. I've, I've talked to y'all before that I worked for the YMCA when I was in North Carolina. What you might, you probably haven't heard is how I got the job or why I got the job. I, um, the YMCA where I worked was right down the road from the seminary. And so many of the people who worked at the YMCA were seminary students. Dorothy liked hearing me talk. And so she thought she had to talk. Um, so they were seminary students. And so the local YMCA, what we did is we, we would go into local elementary schools and we would have after-school programs and before-school programs so that the parents who worked until 6 o'clock could leave their kids at the school and come pick them up. Um, one of the guys at Jones Dairy Elementary, which is where I worked, um, where I ended up working, he was a seminary student. He was from Iowa. He had moved there because he wanted to be a church planner. His church had recognized him as having some leadership skills, and they endorsed him to go to Southeastern and said, this is a man that we trust. We want to be a church planner. He was in his final year as a student at Southeastern, as a, as a seminary student, and was all set to go with the North American Mission Board to go start planning churches. And in his last year, um, it came out, that it was, we found out, that he had been um, mistreating the students at Jones Dairy Elementary School. In fact, they think at least five different boys that he had mistreated and it, was, it, it rocked our world, right? You think, here is somebody that seems to be somebody you would trust, absolutely trustworthy. Everybody thought a church planner, if anybody's trustworthy with our kids, is a church planner. And we found out that this, this guy wasn't trustworthy. And so in a uh, kind of a mad dash to get some sort of control back in there, they, they had hired me and... Once they did, they told me what I was walking into, and that was a, was a hard situation. And so one of my jobs there was to help us figure out what are we going to do to make sure that this never, ever happens again. Um, what I want to talk about a little bit tonight is what can we do to make sure that never happens here, right? I don't ever want you to say, I trusted that guy, and look what he did. I think there's some steps we can take here at Rayford Road to protect our children so that, just speaking personally, I don't ever want to walk through that again. And I know you don't either. I don't think I'm only talking from this experience, though. 
And so before we get into some practical steps, what I want to do is show you that I think we actually have a biblical mandate to think through this. I'm going to look at one verse tonight before we dive into it. I want to look at Deuteronomy 22.8. You can turn there if you want. Deuteronomy 22, verse 8. You're going to think, what does that have to do with preschool ministry? I'll read it in two different translations. I'll read the King James first, and then I'll read the ESV. It looks like, that's weird, on the screen back there, King James is on the bottom, but the screen here is on the top. Technology is just wild. I don't know what's going on. King James says, when thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Now I'll read the ESV because it uses a slightly uh, different word. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house, if anyone should fall from it. So tonight I'm going to talk about how we're going to build a parapet here. Let me pray before we dive in. Dear Lord, I pray that as we talk about our preschool ministry, that you will give us wisdom and uh, the courage, the, the patience, the willingness to, to have some inconveniences possibly in our lives so that we can build structures that will protect the people that we love and have been called to protect. So I pray that I will speak clearly tonight. pray that the things that we've already thought about and the, and the strategies that we move forward with will be uh, wise and effective, and that you will protect this church and the people in it. In your name I pray, amen. What's going on in Deuteronomy 22? Let's, let's try to, I think it's helpful before we get into the nuts and bolts too much. Let's just unpack what we just read and try to understand what's going on. Deuteronomy, I think, is a fascinating book. And one of the reasons... Yeah, and I'm reading 22.8. That was a typo on my part. It is. So if you're wondering where am I at, Deuteronomy 22.8. I'm glad you called that out. So Deuteronomy 22.8. That was just, that's my fault. That was a typo. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about Deuteronomy before we try to understand this verse. Deuteronomy is interesting because Deuteronomy is what some people have thought before. It's just a giant list of rules. But in 1978, there was this article that was written by a man named Stephen Kaufman, and he kind of helped demonstrate what some people already knew a little bit, but nobody had really shown it out to what was going on. What Stephen Kaufman demonstrated is that there's a very specific structure to the book of Deuteronomy, and that the whole book of Deuteronomy is kind of working out the Ten Commandments. Not the whole book, but the majority of the book. The Ten Commandments start in the fifth chapter, and they tell us ten laws, ten things, that we shall have no other gods before us. That The sixth commandment, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, is we can't murder uh, and that we can't covet. Those, those ten commandments. Of those ten commandments, the rest of the book of Deuteronomy kind of goes through and treats them each one in order. And will give us several commands that each fall under these big commands. This, Deuteronomy 22.8, is the final example of what it means to not murder, which is an interesting thing. Um, 
one scholar, uh, he, he wrote an introduction to New Testament book, Hill is his last name. Um, he, he's written a long article about why, why so many commands to tell us what it means to not murder. And he says that he believes that the author of Deuteronomy, who is Moses, is doing the same thing that Jesus does later on. He says that the issue isn't simply that I don't want you to pull the trigger of a gun and kill somebody. What I want you to do is to understand that there is a heart behind this law. And the heart behind the law is what's driving whether or not you're truly obedient. Jesus does the same thing. He works it out in Matthew uh, chapter 5. And he says, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I tell you, don't be angry with your brother. Don't call them names. Don't call them fool or raka. If you do, then you're in danger of hellfire. And what he's saying is that when we try to be innocent of this command, do not murder, it goes beyond not pulling the trigger of a gun. What we have to do is look at the heart of it. And part of the heart of this law is explained by, not, or by building a parapet on the roof of our house. That seems confusing. So let's try to understand what's going on. Uh, in most houses in that Middle Eastern area, you had flat roofs that were usable roofs. So people would not only live inside their house there, they would go up on top of the roofs and they would spend their day up on top of the roofs doing different things. Uh, people throughout the Bible are talked about sleeping on the roofs. David gets in trouble for spying while he's up on his roof, right? People go up on the roofs and they interact. The problem is when you're hanging out on top of a roof, there's a little bit of a danger. And we all know this, especially if you've ever been on a multi-story house that has a deck. If you go out there and you don't have a railing on that deck, especially if you have a kid like Dorothy, Dorothy's just going to go right over the edge of it. And so Moses, he's instructing his people, and he says, when you build a house, if you want to be innocent of the law that says do not murder, you have to build your house in such a way that people aren't liable to fall off of it. Right? You have to build a battlement or a parapet. And all that means is you have to build a sort of railing or a guard that keeps people from falling off the top of their house. If you want to be innocent of murder, it's not simply that you don't actively pull the trigger. You have to be looking for ways in which people are likely to be hurt or injured, and you have to look for ways of how you can protect them. So, my thought is that the best way for me to apply this verse is I need to come into Rayford Road Church and say, in what areas are people possibly at risk? And how can I build structures, fences, that will keep them protected? I believe that our fences that we're going to talk about tonight are our attempt to keep the sixth commandment. I believe that we live in a world where children are at danger. I know that in part because I work for the YMCA where I know kids who not only were in danger, but they were taken advantage of. But it doesn't just happen in Raleigh. It's happened in McClinney before. I think some of you know people who have been victims, and some of you know people who have been perpetrators, and you thought that would never be true of them, but it was. What we found out is once I started this job, I found out that there were certain parameters, certain structures at the YMCA that were meant to protect our children. And the problem is, is because we all trusted this guy, what we did is we kind of slacked up on our parameters. I'll give you some examples. At the YMCA, 
Um, you're never allowed to be alone with a child. But this guy, he was the director of the program, and he would often pick one child to shadow him for the day, and this child would help him go get all the toys and get all the things. And so this guy would have his buddy, his partner, and he was always helping him go do things. And everybody said, oh, he's just giving some special attention, some special love to this kid. He's making him feel special. But what we didn't realize is that he was breaking the rule of never being alone with the child. But because we trusted him, we didn't take this fence seriously. There was another rule with the YMCA is that if you worked at the YMCA as a child care pr- provider, our rule was that you weren't allowed to also work as a babysitter for any of those, of those students. So my relationship with those students was purely professional with the YMCA. I didn't have a special extra relationship at their home. I didn't pick them up and take them places or bring them home. Um, he was, was violating that rule. He needed some extra money, so he started picking up babysitting jobs, and he became really close with some of the families of, of these students. But we all thought, he's a trustworthy guy, and he's doing the money, and the families love him. And so we overlooked that these fences were being broke. There were rules about sitting on laps, and we saw these, all these rules were being violated. And so what happened is after he left, we had a meeting with our group, and we said that this was on him, But it was also on us because we did not have fences built around our program. We had them, but we had neglected them. And the fences had become in disrepair, and we had become vulnerable. And because we were naively trusting of this person, we let ourselves be, um, and and we put our children at risk. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about what fences have we built here at Rayford Road Church. And we're just going to talk about just a handful of them. But what I want to ask you to do tonight is commit to helping us all enforce them. I don't want us to ever have a fence that we let get knocked over and we think, ah, it's okay. This is Baker County, so some of you guys, probably a lot of you know about cows. Uh, a few years ago, I worked at a church up in D.C., but I lived with a family that had some cows, and they also had a little boy. And this little boy would go in. Now, this family, just to let you know, they were crazy rich. And so they had, their fence was built with eight by eights. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, their fence was a high-dollar fence. They had this awesome fence, and they had this little boy. And this little boy loved the cows, and he would go out, and he'd go play with the cows. Because even though they had this nice fence, what would happen is this boy would go in, he would open the fence, he'd play with the cows, he would leave, he would leave the gate open, and in the morning we would wake up, and instead of being able to go on about our business, the whole community would have to get together and go hunt these cows that had got out of the fence. And the problem wasn't with our fence. The problem is, is if we left the gate open, the fence was useless. Right, And I use that as an illustration that we're going to have some good rules that I'm going to go through tonight. But if we leave the gate open, if we don't all follow these rules, keep this fence closed, I think that the fence is going to be useless. So as we go through these parapets, these rules, these fences, I'm just asking you to join with us. Be serious about helping enforce these, helping practice these rules. Let me go through. I'm going to list a handful of, I've called these the preschool parapets. Um, and Terry, you can advance a slide or whoever. Preschool parapets, um, Stephanie, is pre- preschool parapet number one. And it, man, had I realized that would be a tongue twister, <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. 
Uh, this is something that's been going on at Rayford Road a long time, way before I ever showed up. But there is a rule at Rayford Road that every single nursery worker must have a background check done. Every single nursery worker must have a background check done. And so one of the things that we're going to reemphasize here is having, making sure that we've collected those, we know who has and hasn't had their background checked, but also some of you guys know whether or not you've had your background check done here at Rayford Road. If you are going to be a volunteer, please, please make sure that you have had a background check done. You just speak to Pastor Johnny or Kathy or anyone in the office. We can get one done for you. The church pays for it to be done. But this helps us protect you and our children by making sure that everyone that is volunteering with children has a clean past. If you have not had a background check done, you will not be eligible to be a volunteer with the youth, with, with the preschool, or, or with the youth, really. That's, that's not just preschool. That's all of our youth, specifically preschool tonight. If you have not had a background check, you're not eligible to be a volunteer. That's camps, that's preschool ministry, that's anything. This is not because we don't believe that the Holy Spirit changes lives. We do. We believe that God takes sinners and makes them new creations. We celebrated that this morning. But one of the fences that we're building around our program is that we're asking people who have had a history with this issue to not serve in youth and children's ministry. And this is just one of our ways of enforcing that and just seeking to protect our children. And so we're asking that every single volunteer have a background check done. And that's something that we're going to enforce. Let's go to the second, Stephanie. The second one is that there must be a minimum of two adults with children at all times. This is one that seems sometimes like overkill. Now, I'll give you an example. I was in there just a few minutes ago with Dorothy and Lincoln, and they were the only two at that time students that were, or youth that are in the preschool ministry. And two children, most of us would think, I can handle these two. I can handle two children. And so if you happen to find yourself alone in the nursery with them, you might think, I don't want to be a burden and ask somebody else to come and help me. But what we're asking is that you commit tonight to say, I will never keep the nursery unless there's a second adult in that room with me. This isn't because we think that you're not good enough to handle two kids or even 20 kids. Maybe you're the best youth worker ever and you can handle it. But for the protection of yourself and the protection of our students, we're asking that you say, no matter how many students are there, I will never serve in the nursery unless there are at least two adults present in the room at the time. And that's really not just, again, that's not just our nursery. That's, that's preschool, that's children's, and that's youth. Uh, but we're specifically really focusing on our nursery ministry tonight. We never, ever serve unless there's at least two adults. Now, let me help define adults by what I mean here. For uh, the infants, this is anyone under one year old, we're actually limiting that to 18 and older. For the rest of our programs, that is 16 and older, 16 and older. So if you're able to work at a child care service provider, you're 16 years old, you can drive, then you can qualify as an adult there. Uh, there needs to be at least two adults in that room, and that's 16 or older, and anyone over the infant age. In addition to that, um, well, before we move to the next one, let me, let me say one more thing about this. Um, what that means is that we need a lot of volunteers. 
right? When we're saying that a job that might could have been done by one person needs to be done by two people, what that means is that everyone has to come together and say, I'm willing to sign up for this, right? Maybe one person could handle Lincoln and Dorothy right now in the nursery, but for the safety of Lincoln and Dorothy and also the safety of these workers, we're saying, would you be willing to say, I'm going to pitch in. I'm going to be in that room, too, for the protection of our children at Rayford Road. So if you don't currently serve in the nursery, will you just recognize that we're asking a large burden on this body. We're asking always to have two people in every classroom, two sets of eyes in every classroom. And that means every hand has to be on deck. So will you commit yourself to being one of the adults? Let's move to the third preschool parapet. And again, remember, parapet's just a fancy word for the fence. The third one is that student volunteers must complete a training session before serving with the preschool ministry. Uh, there are some of you who have students who are 13 and older, and you're training them to work with children. And that is awesome. I'm so excited about this. But what we're asking is this isn't a free-for-all in which anyone who's 13 and over comes into nursery. What this is is that if we're going to have people that are 13 or over that are working, they need to go through a special training time to understand what the rules, regulations, expectations are. And they also need to learn what they can do to be actually helpful at that time. And so what I've asked Rebecca to do uh, is I've asked Rebecca to establish a, a sort of a training regimen that she'll send any volunteer through that are 13 and under. If you have a, a child, a, a 13 to six, 15, once they're 16, they're an adult, but if you're a 13, 14, or 15-year-old child that you would like to be involved in any of the preschool activities, please talk to Rebecca about how to have them trained and prepared so that they can be effective helpers. Um, we are also, in addition to only having um, 13, 14, and 15-year-olds who are trained, we're also only having 13, and 14, and 15-year-old girls trained. Uh, that is not because every boy is bad, right? But we do just kind of recognize that we're in a society where boys have... Um, we're just we're changing, and we just want to put the boys in a place where they're protected, and we also want to put the kids in a place that they're protected. I, I, don't, I don't mean this to say that boys are bad, don't hear me, but for the protection of our kids, we're only having 13, 14-year-old, 13, 14, and 15-year-old girls serve uh, as a trainee, as a, as a helper, or a volunteer in that program. So if you are a student, if you are 13, 14, and 15, and you can help, we need your help. We would love for you to help. There's tons that you can do, and we would really appreciate your help. But that ministry is going to be limited in the preschool to only girls. In the preschool ministry, if you're below 16, if you're 13 to 15, only girls. Let's go to the fourth preschool parapet. This is one that I need everyone's help with is that only approved volunteers are allowed in nursery areas during services. The nursery is a fun place to go. You go and you see kids playing and having fun. If they're not screaming, which Dorothy is half the time, but if, if she's not, it's fun. And so sometimes it's fun to go see the kids and to play. The problem with that is that, A, is when we have visitors that aren't approved volunteers, then we don't have background checks. We don't have our fences are being knocked down because we, we haven't protected the borders in that area. 
And so what we're asking that is, if, if you haven't gone through the process to be an approved volunteer, you don't go into the nursery areas during service times. If you were a boy under 16, you're not in the nursery areas during service times. If you were under 16 and haven't gone through the training, you don't go into the nursery area during service times. This is a place that we want to keep very separate, very fenced off for the protection of our children and for the protection of our workers. When we see people go into this area and they haven't been approved, we don't know who they are, we haven't done the background checks, we are opening ourselves to trusting someone that, we, that is not operating within the rules that we've asked them to do. In other words, they're, they're acting in an untrustworthy manner and asking us to trust them anyway. And so what we're just asking you guys to do is if you see someone in the nursery area who is not an approved worker, they're not the right age, you suspect they haven't had their background checks, they haven't, you've never seen them in the nursery before, just say, we can't be in this area. Is there somebody back here who can help you? But we, we're asking you to help us guard those areas so that we have protected areas for our children. The guys are going to like this one. Our last preschool parapet. Only female volunteers can change diapers. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. It's just another protection. It's just another protection. Um, one for, for the guys. Thank you, job. Um, but really, that's just a protection. Again, we're saying that statistically speaking, not always, but statistically speaking, that men are more likely to have issues that are damaging than women. Now, that's not 100% of the time. We want to have fences all, all around the board. But because we know this is true, one of the protections that we're asking for men to accept and women to accept as well is that we're going to leave any sort of interaction with unclothed children, diaper changing, to the women in our church. And so women, we're asking you to, to step up and do that for your husbands or for your not husbands. Just, I'm not your husband, but if you change a diaper for me, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> so these are five, five rules that we're asking. Five rules. We're asking that you do not go into that volunteer area if you have not had your background checked. We ask that you not go into this area if you are not an approved volunteer. We ask that you don't, uh, there, you never go in as a single volunteer to handle a nursery or a preschool time. We ask that if you are a student, that you've been gone through training with Rebecca. And, and we're asking that, that men not change diapers. These are five fences that we're trying to build around this program to help keep our uh, children safe. So let me go through, and the last slide I want to cover is, so what is this going to mean for you? And I've come up with, it's so interesting that it's, it flips it on the back screen, but I've come up with three things that I'd like you to think through with me in order to help us make sure that we're doing these things. One is, will you be a volunteer? I've already addressed this a little bit, but the fact that we need two people in every room, in every preschool room, means that we need all hands on deck. One of, I'm thankful, I know Pastor Johnny already said it too, one of the things I'm so thankful for with Rebecca is that she does a tireless job recruiting volunteers, but that is a hard job. We have, uh, different services are different, but we have during the main service, we have uh, five or six classes just during the Sunday school hour. 
in which she's staffing, that means she's having at least 12 people each week that she needs to be volunteering. This is a job that we need a lot of volunteers. Most of the places, now we have some Sunday schools where people are on a every week basis, but most of our volunteers volunteer one week out of a month, two weeks out of a month at different services. And so we need a high volume of people to say, I'm in this. I'm participating for the safety of our children. I want to be in. And so we need you to sign up. Uh, A second thing that I'm going to need from you, if you're a parent, I need you to be patient. The rule is that you cannot be a nursery volunteer by yourself. And the truth is, everyone's a volunteer. So what happens sometimes is a parent will show up, and they'll see one volunteer in the room, and the other volunteer hasn't shown up yet. And so on the good faith that that person's going to be here soon, we can leave our kids with this one volunteer, and we go on to our classes. On one hand, we don't know that that person definitely can show up. But what I'm asking you as a parent is to say, I'm not going to leave my kids in a room that doesn't have two volunteers ready to go. You'll be patient. You'll understand that you're being provided with a free service by volunteers who aren't always here on time. And so you'll hold off, maybe even say, I'll volunteer today. I see that there's not two people. I'll step in and fill this void for the day. But I want you to be a parent who's a patient parent. You understand that you're getting a free service and that you're thankful for it. And you're willing to participate in finding the solutions to keep your children and all the children safe. The last thing I'm asking for everybody is that we keep our eyes open. Uh, We have a security team that I am so, so thankful for. Uh, This is part of the security team's job, but this is part of all of our jobs, is that if we see things happening that shouldn't be and we don't speak up, Deuteronomy 22.8 says, then that blood is on our hands. If you see that there is a roof that doesn't have a fence, when somebody falls off that roof, that was because you were neglectful. You build your home and you don't do the things necessary to protect people. That is on your hands. And so what I'm asking you is to keep your eyes open, to look for people who are in a place that they're not supposed to be, and just kindly, we're not trying to do this angrily, but kindly say, I'm sorry, you can't be here. To ask them out. To, this morning, we had a great example of a dad who came in and his daughter went into a room that she wasn't supposed to be and she didn't even know. It was her first time ever here, but she went with her little brother and she wasn't supposed to be in that room. Um, we went and asked the dad, said, hey, you can take her to class with you. you can take, she can go into the class for her age. Well, she can't be in here. He was awful. She said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I'll be happy to. And we went and got her, and she was awesome. She's like, I mean, she wanted to stay with her brother a little bit, but she's like, I'll be happy to go with Dad. It wasn't that hard, but it took courage. I'll be honest, I was nervous telling this dad, can you get your daughter out? Because that was her first time here. I didn't want to offend her on her first time here. But I had to. Because if we open the gate to these fences... When the cows get out, right? If we open the gate, it's not secure. And so we have to, every time, speak the truth in love for the protection of our children and their children. And I think that 99% of the time, the response is going to be just like I experienced this morning. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. I'll be happy to do that. 
but will you be willing to stand up and say what needs to be said for the protection of all of our children? I told you this this evening wasn't really one of those exciting messages, but I hope you agree it's important. Um, As the weeks go on, we're going to continue to have these parapets, these rules posted so we can be reminded of them. I would like for you to think through, can you volunteer? Can you help? And will you speak to Rebecca? Rebecca's in the process of building a team right now so that maybe not all of the scheduling will be on her shoulders all the time. But it is a lot of work. Will you help her? Will you take some of the load off by saying, I'll participate in this? She needs help. I will say one last thing. Jesus, I I just, I feel like every time I'm at church, I just want to repeat, this is the main reason I come to church. When Jesus talked about getting to the heart of the law and building these fences and the things we're supposed to do, Jesus recognized, and his point was, that no matter how hard you try, you can't build a perfect fence. Right? He says, if you really want to be righteous, if you really want to keep the Ten Commandments, then just never call someone a name. Never be angry with your brother. You really want to never commit adultery, just never look lustfully. And his point at the end of that, it says, if you really want to be holy, then you need to be as holy as your Father in heaven is holy. It left you thinking, I can't build a big enough fence. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and really as the Sermon on the Mount continued to roll through, he said, so what are you going to do then? And he asked all of his listeners to depend on him. He said, will you pray? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Will you give me my bread? Because I can't even go get my bread. Right? At the end, he talks about these two towers, one built on sand and one built on a rock. He says, will you build your rock on this? Will you build your house on the rock instead of the sand? And what he's emphasizing over and over and over, he says, if your goal is to be righteous by building your fence high and strong, your fence will never be high enough and strong enough. But if you obey with a constant dependence on God, if you obey saying, I will build my fence, but my, I need you to protect my walls, he says, that's the kind of faith I'm going to honor. I don't think our fences that we've talked about tonight are perfect. I don't think that they completely eliminate any risk we would possibly have. But I think it would be unfaithful to not try to build some and faithfully beg God to protect us in the, in the process. And I also want to emphasize that this doesn't just apply to preschool ministry. This applies to every one of our lives. Miss Danita, I didn't ask you if I could say this, but you've said it so many times, I'm going to assume you're okay with it. Miss Danita has spoken several times about a fence that she's built into her life regarding alcohol, but she doesn't touch it. She said, I built this fence. And that does not mean that Miss Danita thinks I'm strong enough or I'm good enough to get into heaven because I don't touch alcohol. What she's saying is I'm going to do everything in my power to avoid the things that ensnare me and trap me. But Miss Danita's also constant response is, And God, will you protect me from it? I love what we sang this morning. Prone to wonder, 
Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I'm going to pray that as we seek to build our fences, that God will seal us, protect us, and keep us. Dear Lord, thank you for this church. 